1: To begin today's Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Yusuf. Only God is omniscient. Only God has all the facts in hand. And that is why only He can pronounce the ultimate judgment. Because hasty judgment is often merciless judgment. It communicates the wrong view of God. God is a merciful God. And therefore, when we rush and make merciless judgment, we are not reflecting the character of God.
0: Competitiveness is everywhere. It happens at work, church, home. The tricky part is competition can also make you judgy. Today on Leading the Way, Dr. Yusuf helps you understand how best to bury judgmental spirits at work, church or home in your life before Christ. Join Dr. Michael Yusuf now as he digs deeper into the seventh chapter of Matthew's
1: Gospel. Do you find yourself that um, you are inclined to put certain people down and take joy and delight in numbering of what you perceive to be their failures? Do you find yourself to be critical of your children or one of your children? Do you find yourself to be critical of your spouse? Do you find yourself to be critical of your boss? Do you find yourself to be critical of A Christian friend. Well, if that is something that you need help with, please stay tuned because we're going to see the real meaning of judgmentalism and the real reason behind the critical spirit. And I want you to hear me very carefully on this issue. This is very important. Hear me right. Critical spirit does not necessarily or only manifest itself verbally. The critical spirit sometimes exposes itself in that look that says, you can't measure up. It can manifest itself in that gesture that says, well, you're really not as good as I am. What happens is that when we put others down, is because we like to put ourselves up. When we denounce other believers for their perceived weakness... It is because we don't want others to discover our weaknesses. When we are constantly pointing to someone else's failure, it is because we don't want anybody to discover my failures. When we are constantly criticizing someone because they don't acquiesce to our agenda, it is because we have an overinflated opinion of ourselves. An overinflated opinion of our opinions. Now, the critical spirit feeds upon one or all of the following envy, jealousy, hatred, and fear. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 to see what Jesus is telling us about criticism and how to deal with it. Here's what Jesus said, verse 1 of Matthew 7 Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is not speaking about criticizing sin and rebellion. Jesus is not talking about criticizing sin and rebellion. Because I have seen it again and again. Some of those professing Christians who are living in sin and living in rebellion, they use this text of Matthew 7, 1 and say, don't judge me. God said, don't judge. (laughs) In fact, look with me, please. Go down to verse 15 of Matthew 7. Jesus is saying, beware of false prophet. In other words, we are to judge who speaks for God and who speaks for themselves. That's a command from the Lord Jesus. In fact, verse 15 tells us that in hearing of any message, it is to be judged on the basis of the soundness of its doctrine. Not how well it's delivered, not how cleverly it's packaged, but on the soundness of its doctrine. So what does Jesus mean by judge not lest you be judged? First of all, I want to tell you I am always hesitant to use Greek because I've heard so many people who know nothing about Greek, never studied Greek, always referring to the Greek. So I said, well, I I try to stay that in the background. I knew some Greek and some Hebrew. One runs a pawn shop and the other one's a milk bar. (laughs) (laughs) But the word here is very significant, though, so you need to know it. The word krino in the Greek has at least 12 different shades of meanings, (laughs) And that is why it is important you know the meaning of that word or the shade of the meaning of that word from the context. So what does it mean here in this context when Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged? First of all, it is a reference to judgment of motives. Jesus is saying we are not free to judge a person's motive. Only God can judge people's motive, not us. We judge them on the basis of their action. We judge them on the basis of the fruit. We judge them on the basis of what we see, not on what we don't see. Secondly, it is a reference to hasty judgment. Judgment that is handed down before all the facts have come in. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Only God is omniscient. Only God has all the facts in hand. And that is why only He can pronounce the ultimate judgment. Only He that can pronounce the final judgment. Because hasty judgment is often merciless judgment. Please listen carefully. Hasty judgment is often merciless judgment. What is wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It communicates the wrong view of God. God is a merciful God. And therefore, when we rush and make merciless judgment, we are not reflecting the character of God. We are not reflecting what God wants us to reflect in the world. To judge another person's motive or curse him to condemnation is to play God. And we are not allowed to do that. Thank God. <laughs> James warns us in James 4.11, He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law. So what is Jesus doing? Is he telling us to stop being discerning? To stop denouncing sin? No, that's not what he's talking about. But here's what he's saying. He is saying, don't be quick to judge your brother's motive. Why? Because by the very standards that you are using to judge others, they are going to be the very standards by which God is going to judge you. Somebody said, if you are anxious to sit on the judge's bench, be prepared to stand in the (laughs) dock. So, first, judging motives can be distorting our view of God. Secondly, judging motives gives us a distorted view of ourselves. It gives us distorted view of others. Now, I want you to use your imagination. Don't close your eyes, but use your imagination just for a second. Because I really believe with all my heart, Jesus is giving us a comic strip here. He really does. Verses 3 and 4. And here's the cartoon that Jesus is painting for us. He's an eye surgeon who is in the operating room, performing a very delicate operation on a patient's eye to remove a small speck that has gone into his eye. And from a distance, you see he's wearing something that looks like a magnifying glass in order to see clearly. But when you look at it closely, you find that these were no magnifying glass. They were two big logs that are securing his vision altogether. You say that is ludicrous to the extreme. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You're in agreement with him. But this is all connected. It is all interrelated. When you judge motives, you will have a distorted view of God. And when you have a distorted view of God, you will have distorted view of others. You will have distorted view of yourself, which brings me back to that critical spirit. The person who has a critical spirit, the person who's always criticizing everybody, the person who's always putting other people down is the very person that is in that comic strip. <laughs> is that person in that cartoon? Why? The reason that he is making so much fuss about the speck in somebody else's eye is because he or she is hoping that will divert people's attention from the logs that are in his eyes or her eyes. Those who are always critical and looking for something or someone to criticize, they do so because they are internally hiding something that is far worse. Which leads me... To explain what self-righteousness is. A self-righteous person is the person who sees no sin in his or her life. They just can't see it. But even by chance if they do, unable to see it, they minimize it. They ignore it. They blame somebody else for it. Jesus is not saying for us to ignore your brother's sin, please listen carefully, this is important, I don't want you to miss it, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. He is not saying to ignore your brother's sin, not at all. Jesus is not saying to forget about your brother's or your sister's sin. Jesus is not saying, see no evil, hear no evil, say no evil. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. Jesus is giving us a biblical procedure on how to deal with your brother's sin or your sister's sin. He is giving us the right procedure to go about it. In fact, if you look at that, it is a command. He is commanding us to reprove and correct the brother or the sister. How does this procedure go? Very simple. First, do self-examination. First, perform a self-surgery. First, do a self-searching and self-probing operation. And once you have been able to mourn over your sin, once you have been able to repent of your sin, once you've been able to forsake your sin, only then will you be able to help your brother. Only then will you be able to help your sister. Only then will you be able to see God as the only true and perfect judge. Only then will you be able to see others The way you see yourself. You know, David strikes an incredible balance between personal humility and brokenness before God and then ministry of helping others. Psalm 51. It's a magnificent psalm. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. That is removing the log Out of his eye. That is the removing of the log. Out of our eye. And then he goes on in the psalm to say. I will teach transgressors. Your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. That is helping others to take the speck out of their eyes. It's a balance. But what does Jesus mean? By giving what is holy to the dogs. And not to cast pearls before swines. Well, be patient with me. You're not going to like what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) In this country, where we spend more money on dog food than world evangelism, we do not understand this passage. (laughs) Because in the days of Jesus, they did not have domesticated dogs like we do today. They were scavengers. They were vicious. Both the pigs and the dogs... Because of their scavenger's nature, they were used to symbolize people who are without discernment. People who are unrepentant. People who make mockery of God. People who have known the truth and rejected it. So far, Jesus has been talking to believers and dealing with each other. Judge not your brother. Why? Lest you be judged in the same measure. And then all of a sudden, he turns around and he talks about those outside Of the body of Christ. He turns around and he talks about the blasphemers. Those who have rejected the truth. Those who have refused to discern. Those who have perverted and twisted minds. What is Jesus saying? He is saying, leave them alone. Like Paul, shake the dust off your feet and get out. Don't keep on flogging a dead horse. But rather with sorrow in your heart, hand them over to the Lord. Just that Jesus himself with sorrow in his heart looked over Jerusalem and he wept saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. We too must hand them to the Lord. Unfortunately, there are many Christians today who are so busy criticizing they have no time left or energy left to evangelize. There are too many Christians who are busy building fiefdoms They don't have time to fight the real enemy. We are too busy tearing down one another and building ourselves up that we are unable to see Satan's traps that are trapped set up for us everywhere until we fall in them. And then it's too late. So what is Jesus' answer? Verses 7 to 12. Jesus' answer to the spirit of criticism. Ask, seek, knock. Because you have a benevolent and merciful Father who wants to give you good gifts, therefore turn to Him. Because you have a forgiving Heavenly Father, ask Him. Because you have a wise Heavenly Father, seek Him with all of your heart. Because you have a generous-hearted Heavenly Father, knock on His door instead of knocking people down. Uh, Jesus is not talking here about the good gifts of material blessings. Uh, there are some other passages for that. But here he's talking about spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings that, that I believe sometimes beyond our ability to comprehend. they be almost beyond our capacity to receive. Because God bestows material blessings on everyone, whether they're believers or not. The Bible said God sends the rain upon the believers and the unbelievers, whether they pray or not. But here, Jesus is telling his followers about salvation blessings. He's telling them about post-salvation blessings. He's telling them that unique blessings that he has for his body, that he's got special blessings of daily forgiveness, of daily deliverance, of daily peace, of daily growth in joy, in hope, and in love. Jesus is saying, ask, seek, and knock. Because... That's the only way you're going to get victory over the critical spirit. This is the only way you're going to get victory over judgmentalism. Someone may say, well, if God knows all our needs, why should we seek and, and knock? I'm glad you asked. First of all, prayer presupposes knowledge. Listen carefully, please. This is very important. Prayer presupposes knowledge. God gives us only what is in his will to give us. Therefore, it is incumbent upon us, it is our responsibility to discern what is the will of God. And the only way to discern the will of God is by getting to know God. And the way you get to know God cannot be done without spending time with God. Not just a few minutes a day, sending telegraphs all the time, help me God, I need you God, do this God. He will answer you, but that is not the way to know God. I said, if you have to sleep less, if you have to play less, if you have to socialize less, if you have to work less, whatever it takes, stay on your knees, stay in his presence until you discern the will of God. Whatever it takes, meditate upon his word until you know his heart for you. Secondly, not only prayer presupposes knowledge, but secondly, it presupposes faith. It is one thing to know the will of God for me, and it's quite another to trust Him fully, completely, wholly, unhesitantly, that He will fulfill that will. Others may give up. Others may get impatient. Others may move on. Others may say, God is not going to answer that prayer. But as for you, keep on trusting, keep on believing, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Because if you pray according to His will, I want to tell you, God will His honor bound to answer His will in your life. And His delay does not mean denial. Oh, I remember many times that I prayed... What I know in my heart was the will of God, and I was absolutely confident it's the will of God. But oh, how long God took. (laughs) Between the time I discerned it's His will and the time He actually fulfilled it. Now that prayer presupposes knowledge, it presupposes faith, but also, thirdly, prayer presupposes desire. It is one thing to know the will of God in your life. It's another thing to believe that God will and can answer your prayer But it's another thing for you to desire it with all of your heart. I hear people tell me that the reason they don't want to discern the will of God, they're afraid to discern the will of God because once they discern it, they're not going to like it. (laughs) In fact, somebody told me just the other day, the reason that he doesn't want to commit his life to Christ, not quite yet, because he's afraid that if he commits his life to the Lord, he's going to send him to Africa. I told him God doesn't need you in Africa. He's got plenty of people in Africa. Amazing. Isn't, it, isn't it ludicrous? Isn't it a, an incredible deception of the enemy? An incredible deception of Satan? Because I want to tell you that if you desire the will of God with all of your heart, you're going to discover that the will of God for you is not punitive. God loves you too much for that. God has established prayer to be the way for us to express our deepest desires And this is why we must ask, seek, and knock. We have no other alternative. And all these things are in the present imperative. They are imperative that we must do them. And they're also in an ascending order. Before we ask, we must know what we are asking to be in His will. And when we know it is His will... We must unfailingly believe that God not only can, but He will grant His will for you and for me. And then finally, our hearts must be prepared to receive it. How many of you would really believe that sometimes you've prayed for things and you believed God is going to do them, and then they didn't happen simply because your heart was not prepared to receive the answer? I want to tell you. This is my first hand experience. are some things the Lord has revealed to me so clearly. And I hung in there, although in the midst of discouragement sometimes and, and a temptation to give up on praying for these things that I know it is within and is it's in his perfect will. And then I heard the Lord saying, Your heart is not ready to receive it yet. Is your heart ready to receive what you've been praying for? How do you overcome the critical spirit? How do you stop judging the motives of others? By spending time asking, seeking and knocking.
0: Ask, seek, knock. Practical ways to help you live in such a way that reflects your heavenly Father. Thanks for listening today to leading the way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to become and live your life as a Christian, reflecting your heavenly Father may I encourage you to visit this interactive website, ltw.org slash Jesus, ltw.org slash Jesus.
1: Before we run out of time for today, I would like to ask you to do something very special for me. As an encouragement to our fellow listeners, I would like to invite you to share how God is using this program to encourage you in your walk of faith. I believe it is important to give testimony of how God is working in your life. And if leading the way is part of that, we would want to know. You can call our testimony line at one 300 589 Once again, the number is 1-300-133-589. Do it today. Thank you in advance and God bless.
0: Hey, connect with Dr. Yusuf by visiting YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Find the direct links at ltw.org. This program is provided by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world.